the views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick is with Edelman Financial Engines, a part of Financial Engines Advisors, LLC, and the investment advisor that furnishes this program. Barron's ranks financial advisory firms based on assets managed, team size, experience, and regulatory record. Firms self-nominate. Investment returns and experience are not considered. Advisors in the Hall of Fame have been in the top 100 for 10 plus years. Future performance is not guaranteed. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, sitting in for Rick, here's Isabel Barrow. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. I'm Isabel Barrow. I'm in for Rick and Jean this weekend. And it's been a crazy week for weather in the United States with a historic heat wave in the West and powerful, scary storms in the East. And it's been a volatile week for the stock market, too, with some big swings and new record highs this week. But really, like, what else is new these days, right? Volatility in the market. Well, one thing, perhaps, that's new is the pace in which Americans are leaving the job market or retiring early. A new report has suggested that retirement goals may be changing for many Americans. And in fact, about 2.7 million workers age 55 or older are contemplating retirement years earlier than they'd imagined. Why is that? It's probably in part pandemic driven, because as we've talked about here on this show before, when our economy recovered from that initial shock last spring, we then saw what was described as a K-shaped economic recovery. So this led to two separate groups of Americans that are now considering this early retirement for a multitude of different reasons. You've got the top half of that K which is the affluent with financial means to leave early, maybe even leave better off than they had been financially pre-pandemic, or the bottom leg of the K, those who lost jobs, retired earlier than they planned, but it was not by their own choice. It's not only retirees, though, that are affecting the job market today. It's quitters, too. In May, more than 700,000 workers in professional and business services left their jobs. And this was the highest monthly number ever recorded. Obviously, some of the labor shortages are due to enhanced unemployment benefits, right? We have all heard about that. And maybe... Some people are still making more on unemployment than they were in their former jobs or jobs that they'd be able to get. But labor is scarce now, despite almost 10 million Americans still being sort of officially unemployed. But it's not just the unemployment benefits. There there are a lot of reasons for this, and some are obvious. Some people, women especially, are home with young children. They have child care issues or others who may not be able to go back to work due to not having a vaccine or maybe an underlying health condition for them or a family member, or maybe the job they used to have is just gone and they, they haven't found a replacement. Other reasons for the mismatch between job openings and those who are currently unemployed and are maybe willing to fill it may be less obvious because increasingly white collar workers who kept their jobs throughout say they're overworked, they're just burned out after the last year. And a recent Bloomberg Morning Consult survey found that nearly half of workers under 40 said they might leave their jobs unless they're allowed to continue working from home, at least some of the time. 
There are other possible reasons for all of this quitting, too. I mean, could it be the increased savings that um, people have because they missed out on traveling and events or eating out? They have extra income from stimulus checks that didn't get spent during the pandemic. And it's giving those white collar, higher income earners a bigger savings cushion to quit temporarily, maybe without having to worry about the short term financial repercussions of quitting and taking time out of the labor market or to find a new job that they think they'll like more. Or maybe it's just because. After a year of sitting at home on Zoom calls, they've decided they want to do something different with their life, with their career. Another possible reason is that very few people quit in 2020, and they may have planned to. Instead, they stuck around jobs that they weren't happy with and have waited until now to quit. If it's from quitters or to early retirees, we do know that this is a continuing impact on our economy and the labor market has been deprived of some of the most skilled, most knowledgeable and productive workers. But the long term impact of this, well, it's just too early to tell. But Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says that a significant number of retirees is one of the reasons for the recent labor shortage. Another could be burnout among certain types of careers, like physicians, for example, uh, other healthcare workers, first responders, I mean, teachers, hello. It could lead to even greater shortages in healthcare and education than we already have now, which is already an issue. According to the Physicians Foundation, almost a third of physicians in the U.S. now are over age 60. So there's already an existing shortage, especially among specialists. And the burnout that healthcare workers are feeling could further exacerbate that shortage. And in general, people are just rethinking their timelines now. A new study showed the number of people expecting to work past age 67 fell to a record low of 33%. About 2.7 million workers age 55 or older plan to apply early for Social Security benefits. And I'm going to talk more about that later on the show today. The number of business owners planning to retire sooner than expected has doubled since last August. Now, we know that there's a lot of reasons for it, but changing financial circumstances of those specifically in their 50s and 60s may have been the real game changer in this past year and a half. Growth in real estate and the stock market, maybe it's just eased the path into retirement for those who are already fairly well off and relatively close in age to their original target. The Fed reported that household net worth surged $6.9 trillion, or 5.5% in the first quarter of 2020, up from a third quarter, reaching $130 trillion. Year over year, that was a net worth jump of about 10%. And for Americans who are age 55 to 69, those who we would call sort of retirement-aged, their net worth rose by $4.2 trillion alone in 2020. So what do all those numbers tell us? That despite COVID, the net worth of all American households reached an all-time high in the third quarter of 2020. And how has there been so much wealth creation? Well, we talked about the K-shaped economic recovery, but we also had a V-shaped stock market recovery. The three major stock indexes, the Dow, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, were up 68, 71, and 94% respectively from the recent lows that were recorded on March 23rd of last year through December 31st. 
And what about the growth in your assets and net worth because you own a home? The housing market has been incredibly strong, primarily due to record low mortgage rates, increased moving and demand, just not enough houses to go around. So maybe it's just the natural side effect of many Americans having more wealth. There's more retirement and more people with the financial ability to quit and take some time to reestablish their career, maybe even a different career. This still leaves the bottom part of that K with the opposite situation. Less income, fewer assets, more challenges finding a job that fits them and can support them. And if you're thinking about retiring or you know someone who is, hopefully there's another person waiting in the wings to take on that role. Because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce says that the labor shortage is a national economic emergency getting worse by the day. Certain states have more problems than others. Specifically, there are more job vacancies than available workers in South Dakota and Nebraska and Vermont. And this is the labor shortage that may be holding back the nation's full potential in this economic recovery. 90% of state and local chambers of commerce say that a lack of available workers is slowing down their economy, while only 45% say that COVID was holding the economy back. The chamber said businesses that don't have enough employees have been forced to reduce hours, scale down operations, or permanently close. But the chamber also says that there are 1.4 available workers per job opening um, in the U.S. So there's a mismatch between the openings and who can fill them. And it's certainly lower in certain sectors. Now, at the same time, hiring in the private sector did accelerate through April, which is in part because of the vaccine rollout. But is this trend long-term or short-term? And what does it mean for you? Did you participate in the growth in the markets? Are you wondering if now is the right time for you to retire or buy a house, but you need a second set of eyes? Maybe you're thinking about the early retirement, you know, get on the bandwagon. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Why not give us a call and see if we can help? Because here at Edelman Financial Engines, we would be happy to take a look at where you stand and help you determine if retirement is possible. And for now, between now and Tuesday at 10 p.m., you can sign up at rickedelman.com or give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK for a free retirement review and personal financial plan from an Edelman Financial Engines planner. You'll have a meeting in person, over the phone, virtually, whatever your choice is, with an experienced planner who will give you objective advice on how you're investing, how you can reach your goals. All of our planners are fiduciaries who will put your best interest first. You'll also get a personal financial plan to help you secure your future. And that plan, by the way, that plan alone is an $800 value. It includes your retirement plan of action, an estimate of your social security benefits, portfolio recommendations, as well as action items and next steps that you can take for your financial future. So give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK or at rickedelman.com for your free retirement review and personal financial plan. You're listening to Isabel Barrow in for Rick today on The Rick Edelman Show. More with the author of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. The 
Rick Edelman Show. Isabel Barrow in for Rick today. And we're going to go up to the phones and talk to Vincent in Philadelphia. Hi, Isabel. Hey, Vincent. What's your question? I'm trying to see if you have any thoughts or recommendations on how to find automatic investments in ETFs. I'll give you a little bit of background about me, if you Mm -hmm. don't mind. Great. I'm in my mid-60s. I'm single, never married, no children. I make about $75,000 a year. I have about $4,000 in credit card debt plus a monthly mortgage payment. Over the years, I've managed to accumulate somewhere between maybe a half a million dollars, mainly through automatic investment programs. You know, payroll deductions into IRAs, automatic stock purchase programs, things like that, mm-hmm. as well as mutual funds. Mm-hmm. But I heard Rick uh, reiterate his feelings about mutual funds, that he thinks that they're going to go the way of the dinosaur in the next 10 to 20 years. And he's pretty enthusiastic about ETFs instead of mutual funds, and I am too. The problem is that I haven't been able to find any programs where I can automatically invest in ETFs like I have been in these other vehicles. Yeah, well, I think it's a great question to be asking because you're really on the right track here with overall how to build wealth. It's it's through automatic investing, right? You said you're doing it through payroll deductions, through these automatic directed stock investment programs. Sometimes they're called drip programs, um, you know, into 401k, IRA. uh, And all of that is great. You know, putting that money in monthly, it's what we call dollar cost averaging. You're adding money over time. So overall, it's a great strategy. But you're right. Mm -hmm. There are some challenges as it relates to different types of investments. Now, for those who don't know exactly what the difference is between a traditional mutual fund and an exchange traded fund, also called an ETF. Let's just kind of talk about the the primary differences because there's a lot of similarities and a couple of primary differences. The similarities are that they're both baskets of investments, right? If you have an S&P 500 mutual fund and an S&P 500 exchange traded fund, they're going to own similar stuff. They're going to own almost the same stuff. The difference is in how you buy them and from and through whom are you buying them, right? Are you buying them through an intermediate? Or are you buying them directly through the fund company? There are obviously other differences as well and cost structure, et cetera. But one of the primary things for you in this case is you may be looking at a mutual fund or an ETF that own a lot of the same stuff, but you're going to be purchasing them in a very different way. And you can dollar cost average really easily into a mutual fund, a traditional mutual fund through a 401k or through your IRA or in just a regular investment account. Right. Because... When you buy traditional mutual funds, you're buying them through a mutual fund company and you're buying them typically in dollar amounts. You're not buying shares. So when you buy a mutual fund, you go to that fund company, you say, I want to buy $50 of your fund. And at the end of the day, usually after the market closes at four, it gets priced. And then you find out how many shares of that mutual fund you got for your 50 bucks. Whereas with an exchange traded fund, it is traded on an exchange given a so therefore the name. So you're getting the same pool of stocks or of investments, I should say, because an ETF can be bonds. It doesn't have to be stocks. It can be real estate. It can be a lot of different things. So you're getting the same underlying pool of investments, but you're buying it through an exchange. So when you buy something through an exchange, you're not buying in dollar amounts. Typically you're buying in share amounts. So 
how do you know if your dollar cost averaging how many shares you can buy because the share prices are changing throughout the day, right? It's traded. So that does make it a little bit more difficult for a dollar cost averaging program with ETFs, but it doesn't mean it's impossible because there are a lot of brokerage firms that will offer that option through automatic investing into an ETF in a brokerage account. You know, some online brokers that could be a a Fidelity or a TD Ameritrade or a Vanguard. Um, They may offer some of those broker capabilities. I don't know for sure. I haven't looked into which specific companies offer that option, but it is available um, Mm -hmm. because they'll allow you to buy fractional shares. There are some risks, Vincent, to doing that, though. You know, typically when the market opens and when the market closes, it's a pretty volatile market. You know, they say don't buy, you know, try to avoid buying and selling in the very opening and very closing of the stock market trading day or the market trading day. And when you're dollar cost averaging like that into an ETF, you're buying it on the open market during the trading day. So how do you know, you know, if you're getting a good price or not? That makes it a little bit more difficult. I see. Yeah, I tried the uh, company that bought a share builder, which was E-Trade. And I tried to follow along with the program, the, you know, the, the automatic investments in the ETFs that I was able to do when share builder was with Capital One. Mm-hmm. But E-Trade said that they don't offer that type of program. And ever since, I've been kind of looking around yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. to see... So, well, I think, and, you, you know, do a little bit more research because I do think it's it's available, Vincent, if that's what you want to do. You know, I think another bigger question really in my mind as, as we're sort of going back to the beginning of this conversation is, you know, you talked about that, you know, you're single, no kids, not married. You have a good income. You have a little bit of debt, a monthly mortgage, but, you know, a good amount of assets, $500,000 or more in assets. And you've got different things. You've got stocks on one side. You've got drip programs over here. You've got mutual funds over here. And now you're going to be adding ETFs. A question mark in my mind is sort of have you thought about constructing this as a portfolio versus all of these sort of independently self-managed accounts, because I think that can get really complicated in thinking about your full financial plan and how all of your investments are aligning with each other to best serve your needs. And typically, you don't want to have a whole lot of different accounts and a whole lot of different stuff that you have to manage and keep on a spreadsheet. I mean, some people are really good at that and kudos to them. But for me, I, I like simplicity. I like knowing how much I have in stock, how much I have in bonds, how much I have in REITs, how much I have in cash, etc. And being able to see it in sort of one more concise way. And also knowing that that dollar cost averaging as that money is going in, that it's being spread around the right places. And from month to month, that might be a little bit different. So I think instead of thinking about this as let me solve this one issue with figuring out where can I buy an ETF that I can put money in automatically every month, maybe look at the bigger picture here and say, how does this fit into the overall construction of my plan? And start thinking from that standpoint versus just trying to fix the problem. Yeah, that's a good point you're making, Isabel. You know, when I first started investing, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, it was very simple. But over the years, as I've looked into different things, invested here, there, and the other, and the other place, I've wound up with a hodgepodge of investments. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm confident about most of them, but it does get to be 
a bit much trying to keep track of it all. Yeah, and now think about this, because now I'm really going to scare you, Vincent. What ha- what happens when you're ready to retire? You know, you're not there yet, but when you get to that point, how are you going to know, how am I going to get the money back out of these ETFs? How am right. I going to get it out of the mutual funds or the individual stocks? You know, and what are the tax consequences going to be and from which account should I draw first? You know, I think it's time to talk to an advisor about building a financial plan so that you know, okay, here's my target for retirement. Here's how much I need to save. Here's the types of accounts that I should be saving into and kind of start with that, figuring out what the goals are. And then you can work backwards to determine what are the right investment solutions that are going to get you there. All right. Well, that sounds good, Isabel. Thank you so much for that advice. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your call, Vincent. And uh, maybe we'll hear from you in in one of our offices nearby you in Philadelphia. Yes. Yes, you will be. Okay. Sounds good, Vincent. Thanks so much for your call. Okay. Thanks again, Isabel. All Have right. a great day. You too. Well, if you're like Vincent and you really need to take a bigger picture context of what's going on in your financial life, then give us a call at Triple eight plan Rick by 10 p.m. on Tuesday or sign up at rickedelman.com for your free retirement review and personal financial plan from an Edelman financial engines planner. All of our planners are fiduciaries who will put your best interest first. Now, this plan alone is an $800 value and it includes a retirement plan of action, an estimate of your social security benefits and portfolio recommendations, as well as next steps, action items that you can take for your financial future. So give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK or rickedelman.com by 10 p.m. on Tuesday and sign up. For free articles on personal finance, sign up for Rick's email update at rickedelman.com. Listening to the Rick Edelman Show. I'm Isabel Barrow in for Rick today. And we're going to be taking a call from Lisa in Bergenfield, New Jersey. Lisa, you're on with Isabel. What can we do for you today? Hi, Isabel. So, yeah, um, my husband and I were 35 and 40 years old. Uh, we own a home in Bergen County, New Jersey. Neither of us really grew up with any kind of financial education. Um, in fact, both my mother and his parents had made some bad decisions along the way, and um, he and I kind of unknowingly inherited these poor practices. So uh, now we're married with two children, uh, three and six years old. So one of our biggest goals is to kind of break the cycle and create a better uh, financial future for them. And so what we have done is we've opened four accounts. We've opened uh, for each child a 529 and a custodial account. So the my kind of my two part question is for the 529, we have invested the money the most aggressively. So at what point do we kind of pull back a little bit and? Is there a number that we should keep in mind as far as how much we're contributing? Um, And then the second question is about the custodial account, which unfortunately 
again, just my uh, lack of maybe education with this, I realized that the money wasn't actually invested. It was actually just sitting there. So now I need to make a decision on what to do with the money. It's Now it's being held in this account, but I need to take another step and invest it. So what do I do in that case? Do I just invest it in the S&P 500 or do I do something else? Those are my questions. Got it. Okay. There's sort of a lot to unpack here. And Lisa, I think this is an excellent question and one that probably every parent out there is thinking about on some level. You know, I know as a parent myself, I I think I was in the hospital giving birth to my first child thinking to myself, like, I've got to get that 529 open, right? I mean, it's just, you know, you start thinking and panicking about how are we going to get our children set up for the future? Um, And especially, I think, you know, if if you've lived through some financial hardship or seen mistakes getting made, you are thinking to yourself, I don't want those same mistakes to impact my children. However, you did, there's a, there, again, a couple of things I'm going to unpack here and then I'm going to get to your question. But, uh, um, you, you know, you talked about how you and your husband have also sort of unfortunately maybe made some of those same mistakes that your parents did. And you're trying to prevent, you know, your children from making those mistakes by setting up these accounts for them. And I would say that I completely agree with having the account set up. I love it. But I would also say that that's not really ultimately how you're going to teach your children to handle money and handle finances because they're going to end up with those accounts and you're just going to see the net effect of your savings. What's better is to teach them at an early age how to understand money, how to save money, what taxes are, you know, by giving them, potentially giving them an allowance, give them some skin in the game, give them, you know, the ability to make some financial choices. Um, You can even set up accounts where, you know, they can have some access to it and making decisions. I've seen these debit cards recently. Now, your kids are a little bit young for this at, at three and six, but maybe down the road, you know, where you can say, all right, look, look, this is your weekly or your monthly allowance. Here's a debit card. And once it's gone, it's gone. And, you know, let them sort of learn the hard way because, you know, by you trying to sort of have some whiplash here by saying, you know, I don't want my children to make the same mistakes that we made or that our parents made, um, you might be preventing yourself from teaching them to make those mistakes and learn from them. So I want to start with that. And then I also want to add that when it comes to sort of how much to add to the 529, how much to add to the beneficiary account, and I'm assuming that's either a UGMA or a UTMA account when you set up the um, custodial accounts. So I'm going to use those terms sort of all interchangeably. With the 529, you know, how much to add to that? That's sort of a wobbly number. There is no exact or right number. Each state has a different amount that you could potentially get a tax benefit for participation. So, you know, it could be, I know in Virginia, it's $4,000, but in Illinois, it's a lot more than that. So uh, there are some numbers that will relate to state tax benefits that you can get, but that doesn't really help you with how much to save. So I think rather than trying to figure out on, you know, know, a five minute phone call here. That's something that you probably want to discuss in the context of a larger financial plan conversation. And so I want to leave you with that, that there's a lot to think about. So that number I can't give you, but I can talk to you about how to invest them because your children are three and six and you said you're investing really aggressively in those 529s, which I think is smart. You've got 10, 15 plus years before your children are going to be using this money. So that gives you a lot of time to make up for potentially shorter term ups and downs in the market. Now, as your children get closer to needing the money, that is closer to the date at which they're going to be going to college, 
assuming that you know you're using the money in the 529s for college or graduate school, then you want to start winding down and becoming a little bit more conservative. Now, there's a really easy way to do this, Lisa, and this may be something that um, you've considered or not. I don't know. But there are typically in 529 plans, either time-based or age-based portfolios that can sort of help manage how aggressive those $529 are between the age your child is now and you know how many years they have until college. And they will, in essence, automatically wind down and become more conservative as your children get older to the point where they're largely liquid by the time your child is actually in college and using them. So I think that might be a solution for you rather than having to kind of go in on a regular basis and rebalance and figure out how many years and what should my allocation be. There's an easier solution. Go with the age-based or the the time-based portfolios for your kids. That's what I do in my 529 plan. And I look at it every once in a while and, you know, check off the box that I've reviewed it. And I, you know, have sort of set it and forget it, knowing that it will wind down over time and adjust accordingly. Awesome. Great. Yes. So that's the 529. Now, in terms of the custodial account, so that's sort of a different beast because a 529, that's a state-sponsored plan. And those accounts usually have sort of a set limit list of underlying investments that you can choose from where with as with a custodial account that's an irrevocable gift that you're giving to the child you can't take it back you've, once you've given that money it's a gift um, it has to be used for them or their benefit or by them once they're mm-hmm. over the age of majority and so it's really just an account type there are no underlying investments related to that unless you buy something so if you own it within a brokerage account you know you can set up a portfolio that is really aggressive or really conservative depending on how and when you want them to use that money so have you thought about, I mean, 529s, we know that's education, you know, higher education, that's what it's used for. But with the custodial account, what's your vision on how you want that money to be used? Sure. So I think our ultimate vision is maybe they'll have money to maybe purchase a home um, or maybe have a beautiful wedding, um, something that they can maybe as a little bit older, maybe, you know, late 20s, early 30s, um, that they can take and, you know, be responsible with and use it towards another investment, maybe real estate or, you know, not just to blow the money on something, but we want them to have, we want them to have the things that we didn't have. So that's really our ultimate goal is, you know, we want the money to be there. If they want to buy a house at 30 years old or, you know, 25 years old, it's there. So I'm a little nervous with, I understand how the market works, but with, we clearly have a lot of time ahead of us. Right. Um, but again, like, is there, is it just best to just kind of put it into the whole stock market, the S&P 500, rather than taking individualized stocks or investments? Yeah, the answer is yes. You want to use a diversified approach. Given the 20 to 30 year time frame, though, you can take some risk. You know, I think a really wise choice for you at this point would be to talk to a financial planner to help you understand not only how to invest, but more importantly, how does all of this fit into the context of your overall financial situation. So I am thrilled that you're thinking about your children and I totally understand why, but you also want to make sure you're you're not missing the bigger picture, which is to think about yourself also. 
Of course. Thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. I hope we were able to answer some of your questions. And um, feel free to reach out to us again. We have offices uh, near you in Bergen County, New Jersey. And we'll look forward to uh, hearing from you, hopefully, in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, Isabel. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Lisa. Well, if you're like Lisa and you're trying to balance your own personal financial planning alongside goals you may have for your children or other things and you need help, well, we've got an offer for you. Give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK or at rickedelman.com by 10 p.m. on Tuesday and sign up for a free retirement review and personal financial plan with an Edelman Financial Engines Planner. All of our planners are fiduciaries who will put your best interest first. And that plan is a $800 value that you're getting for free. And it includes a retirement plan of action, an estimate of your social security benefits, your portfolio recommendations, and next steps to take for your financial future. So give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK or at rickedelman.com by 10 p.m. on Tuesday. Stay with us for more on The Rick Edelman Show. author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. tuning into the Rick Edelman show. I'm Isabel Barrow here in for Rick today. We just took a call from Lisa who had a lot of questions about investing for her children. And one of her questions was about 529s. And I really want to discuss 529s in more depth because I really think that they're underused state sponsored tax advantage accounts. And they come in really two basic varieties. The more common type is a 529 college savings plan where you invest money to be used for a beneficiary's qualified education expenses. And anyone can open one of them as long as the beneficiary has a social security number and is a U.S. resident or resident alien or citizen. And your money that's invested in the 529 grows tax-free and withdrawals that are eventually used to pay for these qualified expenses are also free from federal tax and in most cases, state income tax as well. Now, you can use a 529 to pay for college expenses, including tuition, room and board, books, computers. And due to a change in the law a couple of years ago, now you can also use up to $10,000 a year of these for K through 12 tuition. Now, contributions to the 529 plans are not tax deductible on a federal level, but many states offer state income tax deductions or credits. Each state essentially has its own plan, and there may may be benefits to you to go through your state to participate in their plan, but you don't have to. You may decide that another state's plan is better for you for some reason, but make sure you understand what you may be losing out on in terms of a state tax deduction if you go with an out-of-state plan. So where you have the 529, meaning what state's plan you use, doesn't matter regarding the college your beneficiary attends, meaning... If you are in a Virginia state plan because you live in Virginia and you're getting a state tax break to put money in, your child can still use the funds to go to a college in New York, provided you've opted for a traditional 529 versus a prepaid tuition plan, which is the other type of plan that works differently. And I'm not going to go into detail on that one today. Um, Now, most of the state-sponsored plans use similar investments as each other, just possibly through a different mutual fund company or sponsor. 
typically they'll offer an age-based or a time-based portfolio, as I was describing to Lisa. And that becomes more conservative as the beneficiary approaches college age. Other options might be 100% equity or a fixed income fund, an asset allocation fund, uh, where you may choose you know, what percentage in stock versus bond. Some states also have FDIC bank options where you have you know, money in a savings account or a CD to protect your principal as the beneficiary gets closer to needing to use the money. One of the major benefits also of a 529 is the ability to change the beneficiary, meaning you have three kids. One of them doesn't use a 529 because they don't go to college. Well, the beneficiary can be changed to one of the other two. And you can do that as many times as you need, as long as the new beneficiary is a family member like a sibling, stepchild, adopted child, niece, nephew, uncle, etc. So is there a catch? Um, is there a downside? Well, one consideration is that you would potentially have tax consequences and penalties for withdrawals that are not considered qualified. So if you take money out and you don't use it for qualified expenses, the earnings are subject to a 10% federal penalty and state and federal income tax. Now, during this time, the account owner, which is not the beneficiary, but the person who sets up the account, maintains control of the assets regardless of how old the beneficiary is, meaning there's not so much concern about that money not being portable. If you have questions about how to fit a 529 into a full financial plan and or if you should be using them at all, feel free to give us a call, 888-PLAN-RICK or at rickedelman.com. And we're going to go back to the phones and talk with Tom in Key Largo, Florida. Tom, how can we help you? Hi, how you doing, Isabel? Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for calling. Uh, I've had a, a question for some time about retirement, of all things. I, I know the concept of uh, having enough funds for retirement and having enough emergency cash so when the market takes a downturn, instead of selling your down investments, you take monies from your you know, your emergency fund. So I'm in a situation now where I could pull the plug and retire. And I guess my question is, uh, does it make any sense whatsoever to wait until there is a downturn, until it recovers, before retiring, <laughs> so that I don't start my retirement taking money from my emergency fund, which would be my luck. I'd retire and the market would take a dive. <laughs> well, you could, you know, you, <laughs> I guess it's a great question, Tom, but you can do all the predicting and waiting you want, but it might, it might be a long time. You might be waiting, you know, you might be waiting one month or you might be waiting 10 years. I don't know the answer. So I guess it depends on how long you really want to wait. But Yeah. You know, the the short answer is no. Uh, it doesn't make sense to wait until the market has pulled back or until we've gotten through a pullback. And, um, and the reason is that, you know, in your lifetime, there are going to be other pullbacks. There's going to be other downturns in the market, or there's likely to be. So trying to avoid it or time it is just most likely not going to work. Now, it might work out. You might get the perfect timing, and you'll look back and say, gosh, Isabel sure was wrong about that. But for the most part, it's really difficult to try to time the market and figure out when that's going to be. So instead, a smarter plan is to build up that emergency fund that you were talking about to cover yourself for two to three years if you're really concerned. We typically say six to 12 months if you're retiring, you know, let's say 12 months to two years, but you could go longer on that and say, well, I really want to cushion myself for the event, you know, an eventual downturn and have up to three years in cash. I'll give you that. So you've got three years in cash that you would be able to live off during that period of time that there was that market pullback. So let's just say you retire and you've got 
a million dollars in your investments and you're taking out $40,000 a year and all of a sudden the market tanks and you say, gosh, I don't want it to be taking out $40,000 a year out of my million bucks because it's not a million bucks anymore. Now it's 800000 So at that point, you want to have that emergency fund or that cash on hand to be able to draw off of that and be able to stop taking those withdrawals potentially for a short period of time until the market recovers. So I don't know that trying to plan the retirement date around that is any better really than just trying to build up enough cash to avoid that risk because that's a risk you'll face no matter what. You know, you get through one downturn, then you say, okay, now I'm retiring. And then another one comes along a year later. Um, it's just unpredictable. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. I hadn't even thought about the, you know, building up even more in the emergency fund, but that, that really does kind of compromise it. I know it's, you know, it's, it's kind of market timing, but it wasn't because I don't have to retire today. I could retire in two, three years. So should it happen over that period of time, you know, okay, but it's not, it's not critical that I have a, you know, a downturn happen before I retire. So okay. saving up on the rate on the uh, emergency fund makes good sense. I, I do appreciate that. Uh, that advice. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think, you know, building it up now pre-retirement, that's going to give you the cushion, not only for that, um, you know, if that occurs when you are retired, that cash reserve is there for you when you are retired, when the downturn comes, but also if a downturn comes before you had planned to retire and you lose your job, well, now you've got the emergency fund built up to be able to help. Sure. And that may not relate to you, Tom, but that, you know, that just relates to, to people and Americans in general. We want to have that emergency fund um, really, really healthy before we make any big decisions. Great. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. and Thank you so much. You too, Tom. Thanks so much. Well, if you're like Tom and you're trying to weigh, when do you retire? How much do you need? Where should I draw it from? Well, you may need a financial plan. And if you're ready... We have a special offer for you between now and next Tuesday. If you sign up at triple eight plan Rick or go to rickedelman.com, you can receive a free retirement review and personal financial plan with an Edelman Financial Engines planner. All of our planners are fiduciaries. They will put your best interest first. The plan alone is an $800 value and it includes your own retirement plan, an estimate of your social security benefits, portfolio recommendations, and next steps you can take to help you through your financial future. So give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK or at rickedelman.com between now and Tuesday at 10 p.m. I'm Isabel Barrow, and it's been a pleasure to be here with you today. Rick will be back next week. Have a great weekend. Get the truth about money every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show. 